tough day, but now can enjoy it as that starts left turn towards the hole and in. And Brooks Kepka wins the 101st PGA Championship, his fourth major championship. It's clear what you had to win today, but if you're honest, what did you have to lose? I had a lot to lose. Um, if you want to talk about, hey, no one's ever lost a major championship with the seven-shot lead, I've heard that all for about... I don't know, maybe 12 hours. My caddy, I guess, said to my coach today, it was pretty funny, they just told me when we were back there, I guess we're gonna make history, history one way or another. The four bogeys in a row, walking off the 14th, what's the self-talk in your head, being honest? I was disappointed, I was pissed off, I was upset, and then all of a sudden I heard a bunch of DJ chants. And when I heard DJ chants going on, it was the best thing to happen to me. Why? It kind of built a little bit of chip on my shoulder it, it, that we've always talked about, that something, you know, you got to find something. And, and the minute walk, minute and a half walk to the 15th tee, all right, well, I see where we're at. I see what I'm up against, and let's prove the fans wrong. Brooks Kepka, he grabbed the hold of the Wanamaker Trophy a year ago, and he's not letting it go. When the putt dropped on 18, how would you describe your reaction? Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, it was something I've never felt. I've never felt that excited. I've never felt that much determination to try to get it done. For the first time, I felt like I really had to truly fight and battle for what was a major championship. When I saw that putt go in, it was just all the emotions from those four bogeys in a row to hearing everybody chant DJ to all the work I've put in over the years and, and to get into that different category of four major championships. Uh, it's very gratifying. Four majors at 29 years old. What do you think when you hear that? It's kind of funny. <laughs> you just funny. laugh at it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really think, uh, if you'd asked me four years ago, I wasn't even sure that this was possible. I figured out I, I can do it. Winning breeds confidence, and I've, I've won a little bit, I guess you could say, in the last couple of years, and it's done nothing but boost my confidence and, and feel like, you know, hey, I'm one of the best. I can, I can play this game, and I can play it really well and on the big stage. And we are back for another par train. It's just Strat and I. Serum had a, quote, work event, classic. Heard it, heard it once, heard it a thousand times. But we're here because you guys want to know the life of Brooks Smash Kepka. What's up, Strat? How's it going? I mean, it, how are you? I'm pretty good. Is that his, uh, is that his real nickname, or did we just give him that? Yeah, I mean, we just gave it to him. Okay. <laughs> took some liberties. We took some liberties. You know, we're took crazy, some, guys. Took some liberties with the champ. But uh, how about that quote we just heard, starting off the episode with a little intense ESPN post-round interview? And I guess it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, Brooks pretty much kind of created his legend after, uh, after this uh, last PGA. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for this episode and also excited just to watch the guy for the next 15, 20 years. Oh, you're, you're pumped about it. I am, yeah. Okay, we're going to need to get into that because I don't think you've always been a Brooks guy. You know, I haven't, and it changed for me 
after uh, I heard a few of his interviews and after this performance, I, uh, I shifted. Okay. Well, we can get into that because the guy's starting to get sure. into his own. Sure. He's starting to come into his own, mm-hmm. being more vocal. He's calling a number of majors he's going to win. But that interview saying that once he heard the DJ chants, it was the best thing that could have happened to him. I mean, you got to love that. The guy's a competitor. And that's yeah. exactly what, that's what we love. That's why we watch. Let's give a quick preview of what we're going to talk through. This is, you guys have heard the episodes before. We've done it with Phil and Rory. Some of our most popular episodes, actually. So we kind of had to do it for Brooks. Uh, we'll go through his life story, his career, and then we'll embrace debate with some questions and some stats that you probably haven't heard towards the end. But first, I think we should start off with some fun. Should we start with our segment? Yeah, this was actually an interesting one. This uh, this is, you know, I'm not going to name my sources, but we got our hands on some uh, documents that mm. show that DJ and Brooks are actually in a book club together. Brooks Club. Yeah, the Brooks Club. Um, <laughs> uh, pretty surprised when I heard this. I, I got to be honest, didn't imagine these two read a whole lot. But um, yeah, we found the notes. I figured we might as well read them. We found two of the books that we read. I'll, I'll do one if you do the other. Okay. But uh, we've, they, uh, the, the, the document we found kind of has their general notes. And then um, they each put their own little personal notes down, I guess. First book they read was Great Expectations. Um, a classic who hasn't read it. Perfect. Uh, general general notes overall a touch wordy, but one of the more fair representations of Dickens in his prime. A tough and even handed commentary on classism and the shackles of societal norms on everyday people. Hmm. Did not expect that. That's 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 an astute general kind of note. Uh, we got some unexpected. personal. I did not expect we get some personal <laughs> notes. DJ could have used more pictures. Okay, that feels more on brand. Okay. So yeah, uh, Brooks said it would have been better if it was an audiobook read by Ari Gold. So hmm. that's what he thinks. I, I don't know if Brooks knows that he's not a real person. Was it a Nerf gun or the water gun? <laughs> I think it was probably it was the water gun. gun. Wasn't it? Oh, no, it was water gun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, arguably gun. one of the best episodes in Entourage history. Yeah. Best way to fire people, water gun. Get them out. Yeah. Yeah. You're gone. <laughs> I mean, Brooks, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with him. You know, Ari Gold's got a great voice. Yeah, we know you don't. For mine, um, I noticed another one listed, which was Moby Dick. Wow. Which is another classic, um, a true epic, an open, honest, brutal depiction of obsession and the pitfalls of never being satisfied. DJ says, quote, yeah, not going to lie. I thought this was going to be a completely different type of book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that checks out. That That's checks all DJ out. said in the book club. Yeah. Um, Brooks says, would have been doper if Captain Ahab's boat was a 56-foot pickle fork with two outboard supercharged motors, but whatever, pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. That's an interesting take. It feels very Brooks. It does. I mean, I'm just glad we got. we only got two books of the transcripts of their book club, but yeah. Hey, this is something that nobody else has, so I'm just grateful to, to be able to share it with our loyal listeners. I, yeah, I'd love to. Maybe down the road, we'll still, you know, maybe this source will keep uh, providing some some gems. Who knows? You know, stay tuned, loyal, loyal listeners. Love it. Okay. Well, guys, Brooks Kepka has four majors by 29 years old. He was born in 1990, which is kind of crazy to think about. That is um, nuts. 
So why don't should we start from the beginning? Give people context. We know where he's at right now, but let's yeah. start from the beginning. So yeah, born in 1990, West Palm Beach, raised mm. in Lake Worth. Okay, um, kind of ironic. The guy, the lake itself was named for General William J. Worth, who led U.S. forces during the last part of the Second Seminole War. And then Brooks Kepa ends up becoming a Seminole at Florida State. I mean, this is oh, ironic wow. stuff. Uh, we went real deep with the research team. Give you yeah. guys some full context. Um, yep. But other notables from Lake Worth that were raised in this part of Florida. Vanilla Ice. Oh, wow. And Charles Whitman, the mass murderer. Okay. So a little, uh, little, little from column A, a little from column B. Sure. I mean, is Brooks Kepka basically the combination of both of these? It's a hell of a combo. <laughs> yeah, sure. Vanilla ice when he needs to be, mass murder when it's necessary. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, a little problematic, but sure. Sure. Okay. So then he went to Florida State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, won three events, three-time All-American, qualified for the 2012 U.S. Open as an amateur, but missed the cut by six strokes. I guess he didn't oh. realize yet that majors are easier to win. Yeah, he wasn't able to. He, he was still developing his thesis. But what's interesting is, is, I'm sure most people know this, but in case you don't, um, summer of 2012, he turned pro on the Challenge Tour, which is the Europe's version of the web.com. So he basically, this is an interesting point because most guys take the web.com. You know, you're going from Idaho to Kentucky and you're playing in these these random cities and small towns and it's a grind, right? Yeah. Brooks went to Europe. I almost feel like it's a, it's a badass move. It's kind of like uh, Brandon Jennings, the guy that was committed to Arizona basketball. The guy didn't have good enough scores and said, F you, I'm going to Europe and I'm going to make millions. And then he went to the NBA a year later. Yeah. There was a, there was a cat that just got drafted to the, uh, I think this was two years ago, got drafted, picked up by the Atlanta Braves pitcher, decided to forfeit it, went back to JC for another year or so, was eligible for the draft again, but forwent the MLB draft and decided to sign a seven-year contract with a Japanese baseball team where he's going to yes. make like $7 million. I just heard this. Which is, I think, five or six million more than he could have made in that same time period in the majors. And he'll then be able to re-enter the draft for a max contract as a free agent. So. Guys are getting smart these days in the way that they're approaching these things. Doesn't always you don't have to do it the way that everyone always does it. No, it's genius. Although to be fair, it's not like Brooks was getting more money by going to Europe, but the no. guy was traveling through Europe to play instead of being in Idaho and and Kentucky. So I mean, that's that's just much better. Yeah, the guy's smart. He's reading Moby Dick. So <laughs> basically, <laughs> in 2012, he won his first year in the Challenge Tour in 2012. Ended up winning three times in 2013 got his Euro tour card and qualified for the 2013 open. This was when um, Phil won at Murfield. Sure. Um, Brooks got cut at plus 14, but he finished tied for 12th at the Scottish open the week before. Then he made his first PGA tour event in 2014. Also, I should say for a second, his other amateur wins uh, are called the rice planters am and the backyard collegiate or the brickyard collegiate. I mean, wow. is that not on brand? Are these NASCAR races or are they golf tournaments? I mean, they sound like it's the type of tournament that Brooks Kepler would win. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of 
What is he? Uh, he's not Natty Ice. He's a fucking Michelob Ultra. Oh, yeah. He's a Mick Ultra guy. Yeah, he gets yeah he's guy. a Mick Ult. Yeah. Loves his Mick Ult. <laughs> hey, the guy's living an active lifestyle, you know? <laughs> uh, so 2014 was his first year on tour. And his first... See, this is like... This is when you start to, to see some special stuff. His first PGA Tour event, 2014, fries.com open. Heard of it? Oh, fries. <laughs> He led after the first, at the second and third round, at, ended up finishing third. Then he finished fourth at the U.S. Open, which got him his tour card and a Masters invite next year. And then 15th at the PGA, got Rookie of the Year because of that. Goddamn. So the guy came out firing, right? Why don't you take us through 2015? So 2015 is a big year for Brooksy uh, because he wins his first PGA Tour event at, can you guess where? Hmm. Where? Where, Strat? Big party atmosphere, a lot of beer, a lot of brews, oh, a lot of chance. Waste? A lot of waste management. <laughs> That'd be the waste management open, which honestly, you can't write that shit. I mean, Brooks Kepka went in his first tourney at the waste management. Perfect. He uh, ties for 10th at the open at, of all places, St. Andrews. Mm. Also, in a, re- in a recent interview with Pardon My Take, big fans over here, mm. Pardon My Take guys. Mm. Uh, predicted that he will, with complete confidence, win an Open Championship at St. Andrews. So something about that course, mm-hmm. he, he likes it. Mm-hmm. Um, he tied for sixth at the WGC Bridgestone, so big events, and then tied for fifth at the PGA. So something happened. You know, they often say you open those floodgates, you get that first win, things start falling into place. Clearly, they fell into place in a big way because the following year, he wins the Ryder Cup. He gets two second places, one third, seven top tens, which mm. is nothing, nothing to fucking slouch at. No. I mean, that's, that's outrageous. And then in 2017, the Brooks lore begins to be cemented. He wins his first major at the sexiest golf course name of all time, Aaron Hills. Oh, so he, true. How hot is the name Aaron Hills? She's, she's a redhead. I know it more than anything I've known in my oh, life. Yeah. Green eyes, bright green eyes. Yeah. Uh, wild. She's dangerous. You're going to want to be careful. With two C's. <laughs> you're going to want to be careful, all right? Next thing you know, you're opening credit cards. You're spending more money than you make. It's messy. Uh, but his win at Aaron Hills, God lover, uh, tied him for the record of the lowest U.S. Open score at 16 under. And if you remember that, he legitimately beat that fucking course up. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't even fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... After 2017, guy gets wrist surgery, misses the 2018 Masters. Well, kind of one of those things where it was, I think that was around the time J-Day was experiencing fucking Epstein-Barr or whatever bullshit he had at the, <laughs> at the moment. But it was like guys were getting hurt. And you start thinking, Jesus, are these dudes, you know, to quote our friend of the pod, Brandel, are, is their active lifestyle contributing to early injury? Hmm. But uh, Fens, the U.S. Open victory at Shinnecock, uh, and then he goes ahead and he wins his third major at the PGA in front of Tiger. Uh, and that gets us up to where we are now. Uh, Evan, you want to go ahead and uh, want to jump on the rest? Want to just uh, bookend it for us? I sure can. Um, Moby Dick is there as well. So the guy got his, well, first of all, he almost won the Masters. Like, it's almost easy to forget that already. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're, we're so, granted, it was one of the best days of our lives. And we're so grateful. That it was Tiger and not Brooks, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Oh, of course. But because of the Tiger excitement, we forget that Brooks was right behind him. And we can talk about later what that, like, imagine if Brooks won, how we'd be talking about him now. But 
um, almost won the Masters. Obviously, just won at Beth Page on uh, the PGA, and so that something that was something nobody's ever done in history. He yeah. defended back to back majors. It it really is insane. I mean, you know what's it's almost like Tiger is ruined. I won't say he ruined it, but he's just he. These kinds of conversations are crazy, but they're not as crazy when you've got Tiger as a frame of reference. But if Tiger doesn't exist and this happens with Brooks, I mean, Brooks is the next Tiger, right? Like that, that's batshit to be able to defend back-to-back majors twice. And he's already won $6 million this year. Jesus. So it's, and he's world number one. Is he? Yeah. Shit. Guy's world number one. So, all right, well, we just talked about it. Why don't we just debate it right now? How, do we, how would we think about him differently? Like, how much different, how much more incredible, how much more of a pedestal would we put Brooks on if he won the Masters instead of Tiger and the PGA? So that would have been three straight from the PGA, and that would have been a double defense as well. Yeah, I think the ultimate thing in golf would be the the true major slam all four in one year. Right. I think that there, cause especially when three of those four majors are on courses that are different every single year. Um, that's a, that's something I think that's just, it's, it's otherworldly. And had he won the masters and then won the PGA, you know, this is a completely different conversation, I think, because what he did is outrageous in its own right, but to do it in, the same year requires a level of focus and just uh, luck and skill that is so rare in this sport. You just don't see it. I mean, there's a reason you don't see it that much. Well, we're going to talk about this later, but we might as well talk about it now. Um, so it's crazy to think about the the players listed at certain major win counts. So um, here's the guys at four. There's more than this list, but here's the notables. Because um, I'm going to assume most people don't know guys from 1920. Rory, sure. Brooks, uh. Ernie Els, Raymond mm. Floyd. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I'll throw in some old-fashioned names because you know these guys. Old Tom, Young Tom. Mm. Heard of them. Heard of them. That's six notables at four major wins, okay? Wow. Look what happens when you go to five. Seve. Oh. Phil. Oh. Byron Nelson. Heard of him. <laughs> so if Brooks would be at five, how crazy is that to think that he would be tied with Phil? And he's done it in basically three years. Yeah. And Seve. Like when nuts. you think of Seve, you think of Seve like one of the greats. Oh, yeah. Right? Easily. And Brooks is almost at Seve. And then at six, it's Faldo and Trevino. No one oh, else. That's the full list. Wow. And then seven is Bobby Jones, Arnie, Gene Saracen, Sneed, and Harry Varden. Wow. So and then, and then after that, is that it? It just jumps to fucking fifteen and eighteen. Then it's eight at Tom Watson, nine okay. at Gary Player and Ben Hogan, Walter okay. Hagen's at eleven, Tigers at fifteen, Jacks at eight. So it's pretty crazy, like. Think about, I think we're kind of taking it for granted a little bit because Rory got to four and it's been so long that I don't think we 
we don't look at four as impressive with Rory. It's like, come on, you know? Yeah. So yeah, maybe I mean, there's it's... something we need to talk about with like how quickly you get the number. Because four right now for Brooks at 29 is incredible. Yet four for Rory is because he got them so fast and hasn't done it in a while, it's not as impressive. Well, it's almost, I mean, Rory's situation is, is you know, talent unfulfilled at this point because right. he was so dominant and then he's fizzled out. Um, I mean, still one of the best golfers in the world, but he's just not producing. I don't, because golf is such a confidence sport, I almost wonder if, Brooks winning so much so quickly is just one of those things where now it's not even, it's not a mental issue. It's just whether or not his game is there on that particular week. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think Rory appears to be an emotional fucking basket case because he changes putters and putting styles every other hole. Brooks is just playing the exact same game every single time. Did you see there was an article that posted, I think it might've been golf digest. I don't know, but they posted five or six holes from, uh, Beth Page with how Brooks played them versus how an amateur would play them. No. And the, the differences in it was like Brooks would be doing on par fours or par fives driver eight iron and the average amateur would be hitting like driver three wood, three wood, eight iron. Like, <laughs> the way he's playing the game. I mean, you hear it all the time, but it, it, it's just it's so different. I mean, watching Brooks smash drives. uh last you know at the pga it was out of control i his swing is so violent it's like you watch someone swing that hard and the ball does exactly what it wants to most times it's fucking insane remember what he said that we tried to emulate the harder he swings the straighter it goes i love that i mean that's the thing that's the biggest difference to me from rory and brooks is rory is like this premier talent that's got the the beautiful swing but he only seems to win when everything clicks yeah where Brooks seems to be more of a grinder and just smashes it as far as he can, really doesn't care where it goes, and will just slam a wedge into three, four-inch thick rough and put it somewhere up in the green and try and win that way. But also his putting was out of control at the PGA. Yeah. Well, that's the, I guess that's the difference. Yeah. Is Brooks is a straighter driver of the ball, and he's a better putter. Actually, this is a perfect segue. We've got stats available because we got stats oh, yeah. guys here. Mm-hmm. And big stat team, big stat team. We've got a stat. We've got a dedicated stat team. What do you think, Cermak's doing at his work event right now? The guy's got an earpiece in. He's really <laughs> firing up stuff on the computer. Uh, okay, so for the year of 2019, um, let's start with strokes gained because that's probably the best representation. Strokes gained off the tee. Brooks is 17th on tour. Mm. Okay, pretty wow. good. Yeah. Strokes gained approaching the green, 91st. Not mm. great. Not great, Bob. Strokes gained around the green, 113th. Mm. Not great. Not great, Bob. So now you're thinking, okay, so the guy's bombing it, but he's not hitting the most greens, and he's not even gaining that many strokes around the green. So how the hell mm. is he scoring so much? Strokes gained putting, 19th. There it is. So he's hitting it the farthest, one of the farthest, and he's in the top tier in putting. So then you look at the rankings for the standard stats. He's 19th in driving distance. He's averaging 302.6 off the tee. His driving accuracy percentage is only 58.6. That's 117th on tour. 
So again, huh. he doesn't really give a shit yeah. where it goes. Um, greens and regulation percentage, that's at 67%. That's 60, 59th on tour. But then you start going to the scoring. Eagles per hole, he's at 10th. Birdie average, he's at 6th. Scoring average, he's 9th. And sand saves, he's 72nd. It's putting. So it's, it's smashing putting. the ball and it's putting. Yeah. It's, off, it's driver and putting. He's like a Jordan Spieth that hits the ball a fucking country mile. Am I wrong? That's that's pretty good. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, what did they say about Spieth? When his putting goes, his game goes. And his game and Dom went. I like we've cracked the code here, and I think that we might be in the Matrix. I think mm. we've determined that life is a simulation, and Brooks is a program. So it wasn't actually deja vu. It was no. a glitch in the Matrix. It was a glitch. Oh, classic. Okay. Classic deja vu yeah, glitch. Classic. Yeah, That'll really mess with your head. Oh, that's a glitch. Yeah. Have fun having deja vu after watching The Matrix. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, you're fucked. Like, well, I'm in it. And that was a glitch. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Let's get back to the original question we had at the beginning. Because I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by this. You initially were not a Brooks guy. And now you are. My guess is because... Every sports fan and former sportsman themselves, hashtag former athletes, sure. uh, loves seeing greatness and yeah, dominant that's a, greatness. That's a big part of it. I also, though, uh, I listened to his interview and pardon my take, and I felt like he makes a lot more sense to me now. Mm. Um, he's just a fucking, he's a jock, right? Grew up playing sports, got injured, decided to pick up golf. And sounds like he's one of those dudes that just kicks ass at whatever he tries. And his kind of no bullshit approach to the majors, the whole, you know, half the field are already out of it. Then I only got to beat 20 guys and I'm better than, or what is it? I got to beat 40 and I'm better than 30 of those guys. And then it's like, you know, I'm, then it's just me and, and 10 other guys. Like that's one of the more refreshing things I've ever heard mm-hmm. from somebody, especially in golf. All these guys are like, they're like fucking spooked racehorses before they get into the gates, right? They're skittish. I mean, like Bubba Watson's the ultimate, but it's like they don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, they're they're afraid to upset their sponsors. They don't want to, you know, get any bad juju. Everything's confidence with them. But it's like Brooks is like, look, man, this is a fucking this is a dumb game. I'm good at it. I just show up. I fucking smash the ball and I win. And when I get to the majors, I really want to win and I fucking win. And there's a part of me that's like, God damn, I respect that shit, you know? I mean, you make some great points and a couple other quotes that you didn't mention from the interview first that I thought was hysterical and fascinating at the same time was he said he basically blacks out and gets bored from hole five to 12. Like he's almost bored with the game. Yeah, there's uh, he said that the, the game should be shortened to like 14 holes or around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is an outspoken uh, advocate for speeding up the game. And um, <laughs> I've got to imagine him and DeChambeau would be a lot of fun to watch. That's, that's, a, that's a twosome you're going to want to follow, I think. For sure. And the funny thing is, Rory was asked, uh, your boy was there, Rory was asked on Tuesday, I think his press conference before Beth Page started, about Brooks's comments and how majors should be easier to win you know because other people are folding 
And Rory, I don't know if you saw his response, but Rory got kind of defensive and pretty snarky. Oh. He said, well, Jack Nicholas has said this numerous times, and I understand what Brooks is saying, but it's hard to win majors. And I'm like, is it? Is, go, it? is it, Rory? <laughs> is it? Or are you telling yourself it is? Because guess what? Do we need to get into the power of the mind on this podcast? We don't need to get into it, but we know. And Rory, th- th- that is like the quintessential reason as to why Rory hasn't won one in a while and why Brooks is winning them and making it look easy. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. Who was the, what was the classic interview with Tiger? Was it Curtis Strange that interviewed him? I mean, it's possible. I mean, gave him the, you know, Tiger was like, 18 and was like, oh, I'm here yeah. to, uh, I'm, I know I'm you're here talking to about. win tournaments. I'm here to win tournaments. Uh, putting's good, uh, and I'm here to win. And Strange gives him the whole, okay, yeah, sure, you're here to win. Don't, you got a lot to learn. And then Tiger fucking cock smashed them all. It feels like Rory is uh, Curtis Strangey Brooks, and um, I believe he got his ass handed to him uh, by Brooksy Boy. So I like that. I like it a lot. 100%. Okay. Well, you might have convinced me. I mean, I initially wasn't. Like, I, I wouldn't root against him, you know, and I like watching him, and I think it's fun to watch. But personality-wise, sure. it wasn't like I, – I got more excited when I saw Spieth charging than Brooks. But with all the pressure and all the comments he made, he literally said all these things before Beth Page started. And he said, I think I can win 10, get to 10. And then he comes out of the gates like that? Like, that's actually, to me, the most impressive. And one thing we haven't talked about is he won his first PGA with Tiger behind him during Tiger's return year. That's true. With the St. Louis sports fans behind him. Like, okay. All right. Okay. okay. All right. That's just settle down. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, like, think about that. Like, he held off Tiger. Yeah, it's true. And also... <laughs> He held off Tiger, basically, I fucking Tiger's girl, too, or maybe the other way around. Yeah, but ever since he did that, he's been on a tear. That's true. I mean, the guy's pissed off. My only concern for Brooksy Boy, I think 10 is completely achievable for him. I wonder if it gets to a point where he just doesn't care. Hmm. You know? It's possible. I mean, although he did say that four made a huge difference for him. Like, it was the first time that he really wanted to win, and his caddy said, uh, like, you're going to make history either way. Because if you blow the biggest lead ever, that's history. And if you win back-to-back-to-back from defense standpoint, you also make history. So I think he's starting to realize what he's doing. It was also very refreshing to see how jacked up he was when he he won. Um, You could tell that he was... There was a lot of emotion behind that victory when he sunk that putt to finally seal the deal. And also, you know, I, th- I know that we're probably going to get into this later in the episode, but to have those three just supremely dominant days at one of the hardest courses in the world and then to show up on Sunday and what was he six over on the day? Four over. Four over. I know that that was a huge discussion and a lot of people were talking about, you know, is this uh, is this. You know, is he finally buckling under the pressure, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like it, that was more Beth Page Black kind of bitch slapping everyone and reminding them what the course was like, you know? Yeah. And he even talked about it. He said, first of all, it was the first time that I think I have the quote here. He literally said, 
quote, it was the first time I had to truly fight to win a major championship, (laughs) which is incredible quote. But he also was like, it's the first time that I ever was in the lead like that um, on Sunday, wire to wire. And not to mention the tough conditions. And then he was talking about how maybe he just lost focus, you know? Yeah. The funny thing is, is that I don't think Brooks, Brooks is not the type of player that can keep his foot on the gas if he doesn't need to. Like mm. he's he's the he's the type of guy that wants to have his back up against the wall. Like wants to have something to fight so? for. Like he want he he held off Tiger, right? Mm-hmm. That was a huge thing to do. I forget the talk before Aaron Hills, but he basically blew everyone out of the water there. And then his I think the same thing was said about Shinnecock, how nobody could go low. Um and you can't hit drivers and you can't bomb and wedge it and he did that. And then DJ in, at the PGA, he, he needed the chance and to have someone up from behind him to like kind of kick him into gear. I don't know. It's, but he experienced it now. So we'll see what it'll be like once he has this experience. Maybe he'll be able to play with the lead moving forward. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if he's one of those guys kind of like Tiger where it was like, you know, Tiger's motivation was he didn't want to just win. He wanted to completely and utterly destroy everybody else. You know, like he would sh- like what there was the stories where he'd show up, you know, when he was had his 12 stroke leads coming into Sunday and his whole goal was I'm shooting. I want to shoot under par today and I don't want to make any bogeys. Like when that's your goal on Sunday at a major, you're operating at a different fucking level. Right. Which I wonder if that's something that because his performance the first three days, no one was even close. He was playing a different game. Right. I mean, you've got the best field in golf getting their asses kicked and he was just going bananas. People don't realize either unless you see this course. This course is humongous. Yeah. Huge elevated greens, super long and 25-yard fairways. That was the average fairway width. Was 25 yards. And he's landing it in this zone like yeah. 340. Okay, well we've got some embrace debates here. The first one is kind of what your take is on the whole Brandle versus um, Brooks thing. Before I ask you this question, actually, let me read um, what Brooks Kepka's Wikipedia said mm-hmm. um, earlier in the week after his, um, his win. Kepka is currently the owner of the PGA Tour and is Brandle Chamley's father. <laughs> um, incredible. Whoever went into Wikipedia and edited that, we'd love Chapeau. to have you on the show. Yeah. Great Golf show. clap. Golf incredible. clap. Um, but let's let's remind ourselves the whole like Brandel versus uh, Kepka thing started with this quote that Brandel said: "For him to change his body and his body chemistry, body chemistry, for vanity reasons, for a vanity shoot is the most reckless self sabotage that I've ever seen of an athlete in his prime." Self sabotage. So Brooks wow. didn't like that. Tough fucking words. And then he said something. <laughs> about how DJ and Rory were the only guys that could um, compete uh, on Tiger's level and didn't include uh, Brooks in that conversation. And Brooks mm-hmm. took that as he lacks toughness, and he said in his post-round interview that that pissed him off. Mm-hmm. Who? What, what's your take on all this? So we know Brandel's a world-class troll, but mm. often... Uh, the foundation of his trolling, there is a lot of truth. Um, 
I think Brandel was a fool to second guess Brooks Kepka, mm. but I think that the jury was possibly still out a little bit. Um, and I think that, uh, there's not a fucking chance that anybody can talk shit about the guy ever again. And, I, and even Brandel himself said, what was it? The quotes on the long lines of, I felt like he was giving me the middle finger for six and a half hours out there. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, you're not wrong, Brandel. Um, <laughs> he pretty much did. Uh, fucked your face. Uh, but, um, I don't know, but I wouldn't say self-sabotage. I think that there's just such an insane amount of bullshit content that gets created around Brooks and his body and all these guys that decide to actually be athletic and lift weights and and want to become powerful because of the very real benefits that exist when that happens. So that conversation just needs to stop. If guys want to get jacked, so be it. If guys like fucking Mark Leishman can win golf tournaments, great. That's the beauty of golf. But, you know, I'm a numbers guy and studies show you got a 200% better chance of fucking roping big old doinks down the fairway if you're able to fucking deadlift 500 pounds. So take that for take for that for what you will. Okay, hold on. That was 200% chance to yeah. doinks when big you big old doinks when you can deadlift, deadlift. 500. Yeah, so 200% you can run the, 500 doinks down the middle. Go ahead and run the numbers. Grab your TI83s. It checks out. Don't worry. I've done the math. I did it in my head. Okay, I'm beautiful write, mind. I'm gonna write that beautiful down. mind. Okay, beautiful cool. mind. Let me ask you this. What do you, what do we think is more impressive defending major championships twice? What Brooks just did something that's never been done in history. So you got that as an argument mm-hmm. or winning two majors in a row in a year to start the year, like Spieth in 15, two in a row. I totally agree. Yeah. Without a doubt. I don't even actually think it's a debate because, okay, let me tell you where I think it is. There's so much more pressure from winning the masters to winning now the PGA, look at Tiger. I mean, the guy missed the cut. Yeah. Um, because it's the recency. Yep. It's four weeks, three to four weeks later versus defending your title. Yeah, you're like, you get more pictures and you got more media to start the week and they might film you giving your trophy or your jacket back. But beyond that, I mean, it's been a year. Yeah, no, I think it's, and again, I think back to the previous point I made earlier, earlier, God, my fucking voice keeps cracking, huh? I get my, what are my balls dropping? I mean, you know, the Masters is the same every year, and then that next championship, it's a completely different course. So it, you've got to have a pretty complete game and more complete focus in order to do two within one year, back to back. It's crazy, too, that it's, that's how we feel, because one's never been done, and the other's been done sure. by multiple people. but. I do think it's more impressive and harder to do the latter. Um, career you'd rather have right now, DJ, 20 PJ Tour wins, one major, or Brooks, six wins, four majors? It's a little bit tougher. Um, I got to go with Brooks because what's the, I mean, what do we talk about more? Tiger's 15 majors and how close he is to Jack or Tiger's 80? What, 81 wins? I oh, know, 81 with no, the 81. Yeah, 81. I mean, what do we talk about more? What's more impressive? If he beats, if and when he beats the all-time record of wins, it'll be great, but we really want him to get the major victories, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's so it, majors are everything. And to have four this quickly and appear to have no issues whatsoever, I got to go with Brooksy Boy. It's got to be, because look at, how, look at the questions that people get asked. Yeah. 
They're asking DJ, why are you frustrated that you haven't won more? And he's got 20 wins. You could make the argument of money-wise, but let's be honest, they don't need it. The guy's got a deal with Michelob Ultra, okay? The guy's set. The guy's rolling in that low-carb money, okay? Like, I mean, life is good. (laughs) The guy's going from the course to the rooftop bar with that active lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, he's up early, you know, he's grinding, he's putting in the work, and then it pays off with the ice-cold can of Mick Ultra at ice the end cold. of the day. Ice cold. They don't and got blue mountains, but it's just as cold, okay? They're, they're skinny cans, so you feel like a big man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, who will have the better career? Mm. Rory, <laughs> Brooks. You know what, let's throw Spieth in there. That's actually tough, because I, I think Jordan is going to be back and we'll do some damage um honestly i don't think i think rory's done i think i think maybe he gets one more major on a good day uh i think brooks is gonna i mean fuck dude look what brooks has done i don't know how you watch what he just did and say that he's not gonna have the better but the best career at all three of those guys i mean we haven't seen him struggle that's the one thing the only setback he's had was the surgery right which have you ever seen someone come back from a wrist surgery or any surgery that fast? Did he get like a Tommy John for his wrist or something? Did he come back stronger? What the fuck's going on I mean, with that? I'm sure they're I'm sure they're misplacing ligaments. I mean that's not, that's not Are those human stuff. ligaments. Is he have is he have does he have animal ligaments in there? I mean they're I stronger. Think so do they take it from the hip and then an ox? Somebody should look into that. A lot of people don't know about that. Keep in mind, Jordan is twenty five, Brooks is twenty nine, and then how old is Rory? Is he twenty nine as well? I think he's thirty. Yeah, you're right. 30. I mean, it's very hard to argue against Brooks right now. It's called recency bias. Heard of it. But um, are you happy with Brooks as world number one? Yes. We want Brooks as number one. If it's not Tiger, do we want Brooks? I'm completely fine with him being world number one. I'm better with Brooks being number one than Justin Rose. Or DJ? You know what? I like DJ. I got to say, Brooks is kind of like... He's kind of a badass number one. Yeah, and he's and Brooks is like I feel like DJ's almost like he's losing some of his chutzpah or something. I don't know. He's just seeming he uh, doesn't seem as infallible as he once did. Um, has and Spieth, that can change quickly. Has Spieth been number one? That's a great question. I don't think he has. I don't think he has either. Real quick, speaking of uh, Tiger, sure. Tiger needs to have Brooks' career to break Jack's record. <laughs> God, I love this. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love talking about Tiger. <laughs> I mean, how? But that's that's the crazy thing. Take a step back, and we say, "Oh, well, Tiger won the Masters, and he's healthy, so why couldn't he do it?" But think about Tiger right now at his age, needing to have Brooks's career. How long does Brooks' career seem right now? Yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. Fuck, make you think. Nuts. Hey, that's what we do here. This, I don't even know if I want to ask this question because I think it's pretty obvious. But who's more likable, Brooks or DJ? Brooks. I mean, it's Brooks, you know? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Mick, Mick Ultra. Come on. Pretty obvious. Terrible. It's probably my worst question I've ever asked. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> are you, last thing, are you, were you worried? We kind of talked about it before, but are you worried about the plus four on Sunday? Or no, because the guy gave himself a cushion and that's what you do when you're a champion. By Brooksy? Yeah. Not worried. No. I think that, I mean, Harold Varner, um, playing like I play uh, and other players, you know, being plus fucking eight. It, that course, I think, just was so hard 
on that day. And to play from the lead like that, I mean, yeah, everybody probably wanted to see him roll on that throttle and, you know, go low again for the lowest ever score of all times. But Tiger said it a million times, you go into Sunday with a six-shot lead, you've got to be an absolute fool to to give that up. Only Shooter McGavin's done that on the back nine, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so no, that didn't that didn't worry me at all. It made for a fucking much more interesting tournament to watch, which is fun. That's true. So uh, really, there's two reasons why he did it. One, it's Harold Varner's fault. Yeah, the guy was yep. putting those shots into his head every hole. Yeah, you don't want that's not that's not fun to watch. And two, Brooks is a sportsman. The guy wanted to give people what they want, which is a little drama. Mm-hmm. There you go. Heard it here first. So Brooks then, I mean, he's the, he, he's the, the people. people's champ. He's yeah. the people's champ. People's champ. Guys, pretty soon, what is it? June 13th, I think? Pebble. Ugh. U.S. Open at Pebble. God, if he, what, what if he wins at Pebble? What if it's Brooks <laughs> versus Tiger in Pebble on Sunday? Oh, come on. Playoff. Way to playoff. playoff. Oh, my God. Down 18. Oh, isn't that, isn't that Father's Day? Isn't that Father's Day? Yes. Oh, boy. Wow. Yeah, that's a dream. Okay, well, and then we still got, we end with the Open Championship in Ireland. I mean, it's going to be, we, we got some good stuff to look forward to. I think um, right now the sky's the limit for the guy. And, uh, hey, he just went through a little adversity and he came out on top. So there's, there's no reason why he can't keep it going. Yeah, we've got the potential to have a, a hell of a fucking talent on our hands with a hell of a lot more years to play. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. And to all you commentators on mainstream golf media, he's strong. Okay, get over it. Yeah, did you guys did you guys know that Brooks lifts weights? Did you know that? Get over it. The guy's did strong. Did you know that? Okay, we don't need to be talking about his arm size and that he could be a linebacker in football every Sunday of every tournament. We just don't need to do it. Okay, Dottie would agree. God bless her. We love Dottie. Okay, well, another life of another player on tour. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll see you. I'll see you in the next one. Okay. Until next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs>